Hello and welcome to Atlantic Conversations. I'm Fanula Sweeney. The Atlantic Fellowship Programme works with a diverse community of leaders around the world with a common commitment to fairer, healthier, more inclusive societies. Through its seven programmes focused on equity and healthcare, socio-economic equity and racial equity, the Atlantic Fellowships offer those leaders an opportunity to gain new perspectives and new colleagues, while strengthening their confidence in their work for change. In each podcast, I'll be speaking to an Atlantic Fellow about their work and ambitions for a more just world. In this podcast, I'm joined by Amanda Brosnan. Amanda works as a physician assistant in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas, for Tarrant County Public Health. She's a graduate of the Atlantic Fellows for Health Equity Program, US and Global, at George Washington University. I asked Amanda what she'd learned during the year-long program. I learned so much in terms of health equity and how to look at problems with a health equity lens. I learned a tremendous amount of leadership skills. I came in almost not feeling like I belonged at the table. I was intimidated, but I left not only feeling more confident in myself, but more confident in the work that I was doing, more confident in my voice. So I currently work as a physician assistant. This is not a career that's too common in the world. It's only been in the United States since the 1970s. The best I can equate it to is a nurse practitioner. It's like a doctor. I can see patients, prescribe medicines, and have my own patient panel. And what was your experience that made you want to become a health provider in the first place? I had initially been a teacher. And when I was teaching eighth grade science in not a rural town, it was about 40,000 people in Arkansas, I couldn't help but notice the inequities and disparities my students faced. I taught dominantly African-American population. The town was extremely divided. Racism was very prevalent. In fact, there's still a street to this day called Division Street, separating the white and black part of town. I was teaching students, but yet there were problems that were much bigger than my lesson that I was giving them or the homework assignment. And especially when it came to health disparities that they faced, I noticed that more needed to be done. And so that's why I was interested in health. PA school brought me to Texas. From there, practicing as a PA, I was doing individual-based teaching with a patient, telling them to eat healthy and go exercise. But yet, They were coming back to me maybe with the same sugar level or maybe even worse state of health. When I finally saw that patient in the context of their community, in the context of the lives they lived, the trouble that they faced, maybe the structures that they lived around, realized those are the main factors that are influencing their health. That's when I realized public health was a solution, a way to look at problems, and health equity was really the key. When you say public health was a way to look at problems, was that a surprise to you? was a surprise to me in that it really wasn't a part of my education and PA school, but public health actually helps us have the framework to look and see all these different societal factors that are influencing their decision. So can you give me a concrete example of how someone might be coming to you and their sugar level continuing not to drop or rather increase perhaps in follow-up visits? A good example I have is a female patient I was seeing. Not only did she have diabetes with her sugar level being high, but she was suffering from sleep apnea. And one of the big things was her weight was contributing. So of course, we were talking about her diet, what she was eating. And she told me, well, I eat fast food every day. Of course, my immediate reaction is this shock and anger almost at her for what are you doing? But then when I challenged her and started talking about why she needs to not do that, she said, well, that's actually the only food my son brings me. 
So then I come to find out she doesn't have transportation. Her son was not with me at the visit, so I'm not sure his rationale, but she basically gets what he'll give her. And what he's bringing her is chicken nuggets and french fries. And she doesn't leave the house very often because of her joint pain from her weight. So how do you begin to resolve an issue like that when it's really about source and supply? I think that's where public health comes into play. I can talk to her and I can even bring her son in, but it's looking at the transportation issues. Why doesn't she have a driver's license? Why can't she access public transportation? Where is she living? Should we try and put a bus stop near her and advocate for that? Is it possible to have a bus stop? Yes. In fact, my husband recently, he wanted a bus stop in front of our apartment complex and he sent the city an email and they added a bus stop in front of there. So taking that forward into the fellowship that you did, what has happened in the seven months since you graduated? Right before I graduated, I'd started a new job at a public health department. I was inspired to go after it from the fellowship, really being encouraged that public health is the way and bringing health equity to public health is very important. In my interview, I was able to articulate what the fellowship had taught me, which I think impressed them and helped to get me hired. When I started, I was working at a STD clinic and still do to this day and HIV prevention as well. It seemed like people were calling and it seemed like patients were in the line in the morning outside of the clinic, but then I would never see them actually in the exam rooms or even beyond the front desk. Using leadership skills I had learned from the fellowship, I was able to look at the problem and organize my clinic staff to figure out where were the barriers for patients getting care. Everything from our phone lines and our automated message systems to our availability on our schedule. We were one of the few low-cost STD clinics in that area. We actually increased our volume by over 100% after a month of trying to change the structure. On your initiative? On my initiative, yes. And so how does that make you feel? And what do you think are the prospects for this being replicated elsewhere? Well, it makes me feel very good, very proud of my work. But it all comes from the fellowship and what I learned. Before the fellowship, it was so easy to get overwhelmed and not know how could one person make a difference. But after the fellowship, continuing now with the Atlantic Institute and all the work they're doing for the senior fellows, you can't help but walk away being inspired and know that you can make a difference. And there's ways to evaluate problems that help take it in small pieces. So they moved me to a different clinic to do the same initiative. And I was able to help increase the volume there as well. In a sense, your program provided you with a structure which has allowed you the confidence and given you the skills to implement changes. So we're here now. It's the Atlantic Institute's inaugural senior fellows convening of all the Atlantic fellows who've graduated from seven programs around the world. What in the first 24 hours of this convening have you experienced? I would say I've experienced the beauty of connection in that I can talk to somebody who's from a completely different country, different culture, different background, maybe even different profession. And within a minute, I don't know what it is about this place, but we can immediately connect and find the passion for helping humanity and doing what is right, fighting for justice and fair health care for our patients. And where do you think that comes from, that passion, that connection you make within a minute of meeting someone? Is that passion something innate or is it something you think that can be taught? 
I think it's both. I think there has to be this curiosity in you, uh, humility, and also the ability to ask why and want to dig deeper into why this problem or that. Then from there, I think passion can be cultivated, especially in an environment like the Atlantic Institute with the Atlantic Fellows, through conversations that are stimulating, hearing about people's experiences and how they've often overcome adversity in their own communities you can't help but walk away with more passion and more inspiration to go do the work in your own community. Do you see that connections might be made where you'd be able to collaborate with other fellows? Because that's obviously one of the hopes of these seven programs that eventually like-minded people with like-minded skills or maybe even diverse skills but with a common purpose can connect and work to change something in his or her or their field. Yes, I definitely think so. I think we're all here hungry for connection. So we're, if anything, leaning into one another as we share our backgrounds and trying to find those commonalities and how we can help one another. For example, just last night, I was talking with someone from Vietnam who's working on developing a nurse practitioner program in her hospital. Because I come from that advanced practice provider background, we're going to email and see what I can do to help her cultivate her own program. And that was one conversation, probably over 20 minutes and who knows where we'll go on the first evening it's a long way from you being was it an eighth grade science it teacher is, yes it is a long way from being there but that experience molded me into who I am and that's a skill I believe to be a teacher and it's important in this work to be able to educate but you saw that trying to teach young children was really difficult if not impossible because they had much bigger problems such as poverty access to food, to healthy meals, even electricity. I had students who couldn't do their homework assignments because their light bill wasn't paid or being raised by themselves because it's a single parent who has to work two jobs just to provide. I had 13-year-olds raising two-year-olds, three-year-olds. Me telling them, get your homework done was so low in their totem pole priorities. You're clearly someone who has a lot of empathy. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you believe can be learned or is it just, again, something innate? I think both. I think my faith has built my empathy, my faith that God wants the best for this world and loves this world. And so I'm here for a reason. And that innately was given to me by him. But beyond that, I think it can be grown as you do this work with other people and this sense of community that comes out of this, because this is hard. You can't help but be encouraged. And if that's the mentality, when we know we can do more together and we're stronger together, that empathy can only grow for one another and for the work. I know your program was a non-residential one, which meant that you were with fellows from all over America, but also from other parts of the world. You did meet frequently during the year, obviously, and then you graduated. And I'm wondering, what is it like seeing them seven months after? It feels like coming home. Even seven months it may not seem long, but that's just enough to get back to the work and put your head down and get in a rut again or just be discouraged. But when you come here surrounded by these people that you went through a transformative experience with and know that we're here for one another, even though this convening is only for three days, that is more than enough time to now go back out into our respective areas and be reinvigorated to do the work. Well, you have another couple of days yet to go. I so do, yes. enjoy it, Amanda. Thank, Thank you very you. much indeed. Thank you. That was Amanda Brosnan, Atlantic Fellow for Health Equity. For more information, you can visit www.atlanticfellows.org. I'm Fanula Sweeney, and you've been listening to the Atlantic Conversations podcast.